Jesus, please take us from this grandstand world. It's time we got into the game. Waging War in the Flesh When he came, Jesus was a disappointment to many who had awaited the Messiah all their lives. They were expecting a warrior who would lead God's holy people in a march against wickedness. They thought he would destroy the Roman rule and its reign over the children of Israel. They focused on passages from the prophets that decried sin and evil. The Jewish priests were offended by this gentle Jesus who taught that love, faith, hope, and joy were the tools that would tear down strongholds. This Messiah did not stand on the corners and lash out at the wickedness and immorality of the Romans, the pagans, the lost. No, he spoke instead of the Father's love for them and his own willingness to be killed for their sakes. In fact, the only ones Christ rebuked were Satan himself and the Jewish leaders who stood in self-righteous judgment of those they deemed unworthy. Why, then, as Christians, do we find ourselves raging at the wicked and lost, demanding that they forsake their immorality? Why do we march as Christian soldiers, waging war on the defeated, clubbing them with our religion? Are we any different in our hearts than any other religious zealot? Shall we march forth with our self-perceived sword of truth and cut down any who will not convert to our way of believing? Is this what Christ taught? Absolutely not. We will not win the lost by judging them as evil. It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. There is such a lack of love for one another and a lack of love for the lost. What use are we to Christ with such hardened hearts? We are not called to campaign against immorality. When did Jesus do that? The Christian walk is not a call to arms against those who are stumbling in the darkness. It is a call to take their hands gently, lovingly, and lead them tenderly into the light. It's a call to encourage and strengthen the feeble. It's a call to speak wonderful words of life. So why are so many who call themselves Christians railing at the lost, demanding they submit to Christian standards? How can we expect those grounded in immorality to behave morally? By doing this, we engage in a battle of the wills, a battle of flesh. It's a never-ending and utterly destructive war that will exhaust the Christian and rob the fruit of joy, peace, love, and hope. Turn from this, Christian. It is not our calling. When Christ has become our Savior, He removes our sin and guilt. When He does this, they are gone. They then don't exist anymore. Once our sin and guilt are removed by Christ, we begin to see the world in a different light, God's light. We begin to care more for others, 
as God cared for us by sending His Son, Jesus. Until no one remains in hell. See the sin, see the guilt. Oh, how it seems that we have built a place where we can build false worlds, where our thoughts only are unfurled, and they exist as if they were reality. And I am sure those thoughts we force upon this earth have the power to give birth to sad realities we've built. See the sin? See the guilt? And so we stop and look around. Beneath our sordid world abounds the Spirit, God, and all things that are in our sight, magician's hat. We pull a thought from deep inside our separateness, and then we cry, and as we cry, we make it real, and truth becomes yet more concealed. But what just is from deep abounds, and so we stop and look around. And in our stillness there is Jesus, we're lights of His, that's how He sees us. He cares for, holds, and sustains us as we come to Him in growing trust. We're His children, His sparks of life, igniting truth in earth's cold strife, igniting love in hate's cold stare, not bound at all, God's everywhere, and what we are is how He sees us, for in our stillness there is Jesus. All this is true, but we say when we'll let relinquishment begin. For God will never force His will upon the ones He's loving still. For though we're thinking differently, the truth is there for us to see. And though we struggle and we fight, we're only out to prove we're right. But only truth is true, so when will relinquishment begin? O Holy Spirit, take from us all that halts our growing trust. Jesus, let not one small trace remain to hide your glorious face. We pledge to now withhold no part. Take our lives, our thoughts, our hearts. Erase all shadows we may cast. Erase all but your light that lasts. Until in you we only dwell and we perceive no one in hell. Until in you we only dwell, and not one child remains in hell. Lest there be any misunderstanding, this poem does not presume to ignore the biblical truth that some will not enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, some will be thrown into the lake of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. However, a Christian should never hope to see any soul wind up there. A Christian should pray and weep and plead for every soul they meet. A pure heart should long, just like the Father, that none should perish, but all should have eternal life. This poem is such a prayer. Special thanks to Matty Palanen for this earlier version of his instrumental entitled Hope 
for rebirth. I found it at gemendo.com, licensed as Creative Commons with attribution, many years ago. Love each other, love each other, that's what we're called to do. Love each other, love each other, that's all God asks of you. Judge not, repent of your self-righteousness. Show love, forgive, have mercy and you won't sin. There is no law against these things. Help your That's what we're called to do. Help your neighbor, help your neighbor. That's all God asks of you. Judge not, repent of your self-righteousness. Show love, forgive, have mercy, and you won't sin. There is no law against these things. Sidelines aren't for us. 